one of the all-time favorite shows. Hello and welcome to Because You're Home. This is our first mini-sode for our trick-or-treat Thursday 2021. And this is where I get to talk the ears off Grace. Uh, I've decided that I was like, this is my episode taking over. So we might lose a few listeners. Um, (laughs) It's not a surprise to people who like listen to this that like my whole thing is that uh, I love like researching stuff. And there's there's one thing I do like, it's a good origin story, like an origin story in Halloween in scary films, like it in most films. So I decided to look into the origins of Sewan slash Halloween in Ireland. And uh, I was saying to Grace that I got, um, Chris got me a really cool book in Waterstones, um, a bookstore in Ireland, um, about basically the origins of Halloween. And that's pretty much what I sourced as well as a website for this episode. So the book is called uh, Sew on the Roots of Halloween by Luke Eastwood. And I also use an article um, on Halloween in Ireland from IrelandStoreMyHeart.com. <laughs> I just love that name for us. Yeah. Um, so Sew on is the most important festival by modern pagans and also regarded as pagan New Year. Um, Samhain is the modern Irish name for the month of November, and it became known in English as November's Eve or Halloween, which was short for Eve of All Hallows Day. So I'm so glad we call it Halloween and not Eve of All Hallows Day. Um, Yeah. But they're also because the old Irish, like pre-Christian, like with the Druids and Pagans, their calendar, they did it in six eight six week periods sorry that's what it is eight six weeks and each one had a festival and so you had this spring summer autumn winter but you also then had festivals tied in with that and each of those were celebrated which then you can tell when the christians came into ireland they just kind of took a lot of those festivals which is why we now have easter and obviously christmas and stuff like that but for the pagans they felt that like start of November was the start of the new year not December and um, because they only had I think they followed it by the 13 moons of the year and yeah. um, so yeah it's actually so they say that the true Halloween for pagans which can be argued on is basically either between November 5th to November 7th uh, instead of 31st of October so oh I did not know that yeah, uh, like I said, I kept stopping to Chris because I was like, did you know? And I'm like, obviously, neither of us knew because this is interesting. And um, the book, I have to say, if anyone wants is interested uh, after my shiting on about this, if anyone is still interested in it, I, it's a really easy to read book. I'm only like partway through. I took what I needed for this, but I'm definitely going to take a full read on it because I was getting like a few chapters done in like an hour. It's And it's got some like depictions of what the hill of Tara would have looked like and all that sort of stuff so I have to say for anyone because obviously as Grace has mentioned I think at some stage last year about how Ireland is home of the ancient or where we come from in Drogheda is the home of the ancient east, east we have yeah. new grange yeah we have new grange with the hill of Tara with Nathan Day and um, we have so much um in with, like I mean less than an hour away from everywhere where we live so it's a lot of what I'm talking about comes from that area. Yeah. 
we are kind of like steeped in the spooky. Oh, a hundred percent. It's it's within our grasp, our literal grasp. And um, so I found this very interesting to read about that. I'm like, oh, this is like somewhere that's really not that far away from us. Um, so mentions of Sawan in Irish texts can date back to early Christian era, but they are undoubtedly copies of copies that were originally written in purely in the old Irish. So this proves that pagans have had no issue at all reading or writing, which in early Christian texts, it was like, oh, the Irish, they were illiterate. And it was only the Christians when they came over, like the priests were the only ones who could read and write, but old pagans could. And this is proven by a fact that when old St. Patrick came, not only did he rid the island of air quote snakes, he destroyed more than 400 pagan books by burning them. So I think he was the snake. He should have just fucked off. He was a snake. He was a snake. So Sawan marked the time uh, of the return to the darkness, the forces of life being absorbed into the earth or into the other world and a state of death or hibernation occurring until spring returned at Imbolic. Uh, read that as you will, or the spring equinox. So as I'd say on the final harvest were collected and any excess livestock were ritually slaughtered for feastings and as offerings for the gods and spirits, well, it's more spirits and fairies, and also as food that was preserved for the winter, because basically death wasn't a rare occurrence in Ireland at the time. And Basically, around this time of year, people died in their droves if you weren't prepared for winter. You said it wasn't a rare occurrence. It's like, wow, (laughs) look at us go. Yeah, we we were known as being hanger-oners of life. Uh, Yeah, so basically, they're so used to around wintertime, just people dropping off. And that's more like a fail to prepare, prepare to fail uh, kind (laughs) of. Really, no one else to blame. No. Uh, not not any neighbours living in a nearby island taking all our food. Anyway, I digress into politics. Um, to this day, it is supposed that picking blackberries after Halloween is bad luck. Folklore has it that the devil or Puka, who is also known as a not nice fairy. I thought Puka was just a ghost, but a Puka yeah. is the type of a really not nice fairy. But we call Puka a ghost then. So, yeah. So basically, they thought that the devil or a puka had spat on the blackberries or were still urinated on them. So don't eat any blackberries off of straight off of a bramble post Halloween. FYI. Oh, I've done it. I've oh, done it. I've done it and I've turned it into jam and I put it on toast and bleh. um don't it anymore. No, no, I'll get mine out of a jar from a factory and make sure it hasn't come from Ireland. <laughs> only time i'm not going to shop local um <laughs> I, don't, I don't i don't want no fairy urine yeah I, if i want that i'll no i don't know what i do probably speak to someone with speciality for uh psychiatry because i think if i'm looking for urine so food i've got some problems yeah um so as indicated in the ancient text it was thought that the boundaries between the everyday realm of earth and the other world so there was just to as a little like background there was um the upper world or which was the sky which is where all the gods and the fairies lived then he had the middle world which was earth where we lived and then there was the other world which was out to sea and it's not that they believed that the dead were buried or like went to live under the sea which is how i read that um <laughs> but that the, the they look out to the west to where the sun 
set and uh, that basically that's where the spirits go the human spirits not the gods but they go out to the west to where obviously you know like the world ended possibly for them at the time and um, so this other world where the spirits would go to it became a thin or non-existent layer between that and the everyday world uh, during the time of Sawan. and the Sija and the dead were able to easily penetrate and enter into the human world in native Christian times, it was believed that the dead, the fairies, and Tuatha de Danann would run amok and cause mischief if they were not placated and paid proper respect. Um, so at Sewan, the good spirits and those who were friends and family members were thought to return to the home of their loved ones. Candles were lit in the windows to help guide the spirits of the ancestors back to the family home. These spirits were honoured with cooked food and celebrations. Failure to make the appropriate gestures to the ancestors of Sawan was considered to be bad luck and disrespect could lead to a person being ostracized. For instance, the person who ate food left for the ancestors would be barred from participating in Sawan festivities. It was also considered that after their death, they would not be able to return to their descendants to participate in Sawan, which was quite a considerable punishment. So God forbid. That'd be me gone. Gone. I'm not allowed to eat somebody else's food. I know. I'm done. No, yeah, I'm like, sorry, we put the nice cheese out for Auntie Mary and I just got a bit peckish. I had a cracker, I had no cheese, I thought she wouldn't mind. And now when I'm She's dead, been dead. I'm fucking locked in, me alone. And now I'm Auntie Mary, like eating the cheese in front of my face, getting fat off of that, and I can have nothing. Sad day. Sad, sad day. Um, it was also thought that those who did not throw out dirty water and damp down the fire could be attacked by unwanted spirits of the dead because this goes, I'm going to be talking about the bonfires, but basically when you had, you had a bonfire at the summer equinox, um, kind of like midsummer, and then you also had the winter equinox at Sawan. And what you were meant to do is you take, from the big bonfire that would get lit, you would take a shovel of the hot coals and you'd bring it to your house and you would set your first fire of winter from those coals. And that was meant to bring good luck to your house for the, the whole winter season. Well, that's kind of cool. Yeah. So also the thing was, is that I read somewhere that the dirty water was meant to be like very bad. You had to cleanse out your water. And there was something like one of the God really old texts that mentioned Sauron was basically someone throwing dirty water over a person but it like burned them it had that much of an effect so i don't know how dirty this water was but uh, if it can burn you it was dirty water dirty dirty water um the evil spirits including banshees puka fairies and shapeshifters needed to be avoided and vacated so this was when the pagans kind of celts and Druids, would wear masks and costumes to disguise themselves and keep themselves safe from any evil spirits which is also, I think I mentioned uh, to you once why in ancient Sparta, you had a bridesmaid because a bridesmaid was meant to dress in the exact same clothes as the bride and an evil spirit that was meant to say kill or take the bride back would see, would get really confused because there'd be more than one bride and they wouldn't know who to take. So yeah, that was just another bit of interesting fact. Some trivia. Fuck yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Um... So one of the most popular aspects of Sauron was the bonfire. Bonfires were thought to have protective and cleansing powers. All old flames had to be extinguished and new ones lit in a special ceremony conducted by the Druids. It was also believed that this was the best time of the year for the Druids to make predictions of the future. 
whose tradition of sacred fires in Ireland is some 3,500 years old. The Halloween bonfire can be traced all the way back to the ancient festival of Tara held every Samhain. The sacred fire was supposed to be lit by the Druids at Clochta, which this name threw me because it's pronounced Clochta, but spelt T-L-A-C-H-T-G-A. Yeah. And I was like, Tlachtica. Yeah. Like, yes. An Irish native. I, and I was like, no, no. Where, what's, what are you doing with the G? So it's Clochta. Yeah. Um, which is now called the Hill of Ward. And it is also in Cantonese along with the Hill of Tara. So the fire was brought to Tara where the king, nobility and druids presided over the lighting of the fire. After the Tara fire was lit, fires were lit all over the country, symbolizing the offering of warmth and protection throughout the dark months of the year. The site of Clochta is the center of Sauron Festival for Druids and the ancient Irish. Clochta was named after the daughter of the Druid Mugruth, or she could have possibly been an earth goddess. They're saying the way that Clochta might have been a derivative of the ancient Irish way of saying earth. Um, and that I think the GA is also uh, ending you put to gods or goddesses. So they're saying she might have been an earth goddess, but she died giving on that hill, giving birth to triplets. And in that book, they also had, because it's obviously buried now, um, what Clockta would have originally looked like. So with ground penetrating, right, not radar kind of, but with imaging, they could get an idea as to how it might have originally looked. And so they sketched that in the book. So it's really cool in the book. They have like pictures of Nath Dace and the Hill of Tara and all this sort of stuff. And it really, like for me, I was just like, it's amazing that we have these sites like just on our doorstep like yeah like 20 minutes in the car away and we could be out to Newgrange and so I was just kind of like yeah this kind of made me definitely interested in going to go visit it all which it's they're also very popular tour sites because Mead is extremely close to Dublin and so if yeah. you were staying in Dublin as a tourist it's a bus journey um, that would get you into me. They're like, there's ways of going about it with the train. So if anybody is from outside of Ireland and interested, I, I would definitely recommend that people go visit these places. Yeah. Um, so did you eat Barnbrack? Yes. Um, yes, I loved it. And I still would love a version of it. Like my mom makes a really nice tea cake. Yes. I'd be like tea cake. And it's literally tea bags soaked in the raisins and all your yeah raisins and currants and all that and then it gets made and mom makes a great one but I remember getting barn brack as a kid and <laughs> even as a youngster wanting to get the ring uh little so knowing that. yeah yeah and what was it you get a coin yep uh, a ring the coin was obviously for well the ring was for marriage I think there was like a bit of fabric and if you got the fabric I think you were going to be an old maid cute yeah Lo loving loving those those like strong Irish stereotypical kind of like you're either going to be married or a hag yeah because all you have to live one, for a woman was a thimble and the thimble also kind of basically symbolized if I have it right that you are going to be like it's always oh, spinster <laughs> so I'm like that for us yeah and it's also there was an old old myth of if you ate the last slice of bread or barn brack, that basically if you're a woman eating the last slice, that it was bad luck and you're basically giving yourself up for a lifetime of being a single woman. <laughs> so you obviously couldn't go back for seconds back in the day. Yeah, because you're a fuck. Yeah. Oh, second day. 
and、oh, people single. That's how you're going to remain. So,、uh, yeah, Irish women aren't they great? Um. So, barmbrack or Halloween brack is a cake still eaten today that may have some connection with the tradition of offerings made to the spirits. It's also linked with divination and good luck. The barmbrack contains a metal ring, and the person who finds it when eating it is said to be destined to be married by the next day on or receive especially good luck.、Uh, in Scotland, they also have a bannock, which is a variant on the same theme. And in Scotland and in Northern England, a girl would bake a bannock. Uh, bannock cake in the evening in complete silence. She would then walk to her room and place the bannock under her pillow. Her dreams that night would show the face of her future husband or lover. And in the morning, she would eat the bannock to finish the tradition and the ceremony, so that she ate her dream man or God knows what I don't know. But they they did have a wedding cake. Like、yeah. you were meant to. If you're a single person, you take a slice of wedding cake and you put it under your pillow, and like that, you dream of the your future husband or partner or whatever. So, Anna, cake equals your loved one,、okay. and cake from your loved one is a a relationship that's going to do just fine. Yeah.、Uh, mm. So jack o' lanterns also originated with Taiwans. Legend tells of a man named Jack who cheated on a deal with the devil, and when he died, he was denied entry to both heaven and hell. All he had was a lump of coal to light his way, which he placed in a holiday turnip to use as a makeshift lantern. In America, where pumpkins were larger, easier to carve, and plentiful, it kind of became the tradition to carve out the pumpkin and place a candle inside instead of that of a turnip,、um, which has been followed as a modern tradition back over the Atlantic here in Ireland. So I wonder if anyone is holding up the tradition of using a turnip as a jack o' lantern. Or because like you'll see it now in Ireland, they have pumpkins in purely for Halloween. Like、yeah. in America, you have pumpkin pie, you have pumpkin soup. Like they kind of are bringing pumpkins here for like soups and stuff. Um, but it's still not as popular to eat over here. It's more still just for decoration for Halloween. Yeah.、Um, yeah. And like I think like, it's more like. Squash that we would have, like a butternut、yeah. squash. Yes, yeah, 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 percent. Um, and when Sean and Trent were over, that was the first time I ever got to try pumpkin pie, and I have to say it was nice. But、yeah. I imagine you'd need to add a lot of sugar to give flavor. I think pumpkin, like a butternut squash, is very plain,、mm-hmm. not sweet at all. And if you want to make it, yeah, obviously got to add a lot to it. But um, there was a, a sketch of a. Jack o' lantern made from the turnip, and I have to say, it doesn't hold the same jeunesse as a you know、uh, the, the faces that can be drawn on a pumpkin. Like you、yeah. don't have the wit. Terrifying. And that was just a sketch. Are you looking up anything now? I'll I'll post them to our page because from what I can remember and what I've seen, like they are genuinely quite like. They're quite creepy. They're more the shape of a head now, like、yeah. compared to a pumpkin would be. So it is just it's it is more disturbing. It's like you'd never think of like a jack o' lantern. I actually always thought that that was just an American thing. I didn't realize it stemmed from it had its own like little story and it stemmed from a turnip. Yeah, it was common for young people until recent times to go out and cause ham- havoc and harmless mischief in impersonation of the spirits of the dead and the sage. 
who could be capricious. This has clearly evolved into the modern tradition of trick-or-treating. And the evolution of Samhain into our modern version of Halloween stems largely from the Irish emigration in the 1600s to the New World as travellers or servants and Australia and New Zealand as criminals. In both continents, the Irish adapted quickly and learned to speak English, and some became actually quite successful. However, they did not forget their own culture, even if they didn't retain their own language. And because of this retention of these hard to suppress cultural habits that we find in traditions of Ireland continuing in North America, Australia, New Zealand, and indeed the world around. And that kind of brings us full circle to how we have modern day Halloween. So anyone who thinks that a lot of things, now a lot of traditions have purely started in America, but your, your bare bones of what is the modern day Halloween, your pumpkins, your trick-or-treating, your dressing up in a costume, uh, all the games, bobbing, raffles, this all stems back to Ireland. Yeah, we kind of like, I know, like the way you're saying there, like a lot of it, it seems to be that people are kind of like, oh, America's the home of Halloween. But like, it's not. We kind of invented it. We invented it, but we let it go for so long. And Americans helped to commercialize it. That's it. There's the kind of commercialization that goes with Halloween as well. But there was actually like, like a religious like aspect to the Celtic pagan and that's Rituals. what I mean. It stems from, it's all tied into our ancient pagan and Druid culture and our religion at the time, pre-Christian. Yeah. Um, that it all, everything from what you ate on Halloween to the fire you lit, it all stemmed from this tradition. So um, again, if anyone was interested after that, uh, the book I based this off of, was Sell on the Roots of Halloween by Luke Eastwood. And the article online where I took some pieces from was Halloween in Ireland from IrelandStoleMyHeart.com. And um, it just kind of, I learned a hell of a lot yeah. than I knew about Halloween going into this. And um, kind of like, like really glad that I decided to look into this. Uh, I would definitely be finishing reading that book because <laughs> as an Irish person, I feel like as if I need to know more about this. It's a, it, it is so interesting to kind of look back and go, no, this was kind of our thing. I wonder, though, like if you you could almost argue. Like, hmm, I'm trying to find the right way to say, it, but like it, it became so popular in America, especially like. In the 50s onwards, like kind of with the post-World War Two, where you had the suburbs and then that was when more people were trick-or-treating and then the costumes came up and all that sort of stuff. Like, I truly don't know what modern Halloween in the last hundred years, how popular it's been in Ireland. That I didn't look into. So I wonder, like, if it didn't take off in America so strongly in, in recent decades, would it have been so popular? Because you hear a lot of people out in the countryside where they're like, we didn't celebrate Halloween. Like, if you're not in a populous area, like, I grew up in Drogheda with you guys, yet for my childhood, I never did trick-or-treating because I didn't live in an estate. Yeah, I suppose that as aspect of Halloween, but like the kind of ancient, mm -hmm. like like spooky season mm -hmm. version of Halloween is is Irish and it's oh, deep rooted yeah. within Irish tradition and history. Old. Yeah. And so then if anyone is 
from the Ireland area listening to this, take a trip around this Samhain season to go to the ancient east to take a trip to Tara. I wonder, I'd be very curious to see what they'd be doing a bonfire still in Tara. Yeah, they do. Ooh. As far as I know, they do. That would be great to go to. I actually, my uncle's brother got married to a white witch on the hill of Tara back in the early 2000s. See, that's like, that's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. So there's definitely stuff that could be done around the, the Drogheda, Meagloud area. Well, for us, obviously, in Ireland. Um, but everybody should go and see if you live in England or Ireland or wherever, you know, see what your, your roots in Halloween are for the country that you live in. Yes. And for Trick or Treat Thursdays this year, we will be kind of looking more into Ireland's um, love and history with Halloween. So next week, I'm going to be talking about Ireland's hauntings and ghosts and a bit of folklore around um, the spookiness of Ireland. Can't wait. Also, I'll be glad to just sit back and let you read. You did amazing. It was fantastic. Yeah, it's weird to just be the only one talking, not going to (laughs) lie. Well, you did amazing. Well done. And um, make sure to follow us on Instagram on Because You Were Home with an underscore in between each word. And you can listen to us on most podcast platforms. And if you listen to us on Apple, please give us a rate and review. If you listen to us on any other podcast platform, just tell a friend. And we will talk to you soon. Bye.